Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. You know, I have a very, very important message to share. They're all important, but man, this one is, um, it's just burning down deep inside of me. And this message in part is a, has a lot to do with when we went away, if we went away for three months, the, the board and the staff uh, graciously supported us. After being in 30 years of ministry, we got away for three months, and it was life-changing for me. And um, don't ever think that you could reach a place that God can't touch you or change you. That's a good amen, okay? No matter where you are, no, long, no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, don't ever think that God can't touch you and change you. And this passage, what I'm talking to you, talking about, talking to you, What I'm talking about today is something that God started speaking to me about the minute that we left. And um, what's also exciting to me, as my wife mentioned, is that Pastor Josh has the same outline. And he's bringing the word starting right now. We're we're in sync with Philly Tab. And uh, he's going to be opening up this same message now, the reason, one of the reasons why this message is so important is because um, our world is very often marked by misunderstanding. And there's understanding um, in, a, in a very kind of localized sense. There's under, misunderstanding in homes and there's misunderstanding on a geopolitical scale. Like, I mean, it's all over the place non-stop misunderstanding. Misunderstanding can be very, very costly. I just, just before I walked in here, I found out that recently in Florida, um, a company was hired to move a house. You know how they could move houses now? They literally pick up the whole house and move it. So the, a company was hired and they went, they picked up the house, they moved the house only to find that they moved the wrong house. How many know misunderstanding could be really, really costly? And in light of that, how many would agree that understanding Jesus is crucial? Understanding Jesus is crucial not only to the way we live, but to our overall state of wellness. Our overall state of being is dramatically impacted by how we understand Jesus. Understanding Jesus is crucial to our responses, our choices, and everyday decisions. Responses, choices, decisions. Responses, choices, decisions. Responses, choices, and decisions end up having a gigantic impact on your life and mine. Okay, responses, choices, decisions. We are here today because over 20 years ago, Christy and I got a word from the Lord and we were led to come here even though we had other choices, other opportunities. Responses, choices, decisions. And it is important because we need to be so 
tuned into Jesus as we respond and make choices and make decisions. It's the best kind of life when we're close to him. Amen? Understanding Jesus is crucial to becoming. To them that believed, he gave the power to everyone. Become children of God. And becoming doesn't mean you just become saved. It means you become by a whole journey of walking with God. Anybody want to walk closely to Jesus this week and in the years ahead? Amen. Hallelujah. So this is all about us really walking close to Jesus. This is the key to what a healthy, we say here all the time, we want you to be privately healthy and publicly fruitful. This is, these are essential to having the kind of walk with God that makes you healthy and fruitful. So let's read John chapter 15. We're going to read uh, 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 nine verses. And as we, as we start this, you need to know that these verses were part of, it's like from John 13 or 14 to 17 or 18. It's eluding me. These these chapters are, are kind of like a very special meeting that God had with his followers, okay? And, and um, this was a very intimate conversation. This was a very personal. Jesus, at times you're reading, he's speaking to the masses. He wasn't speaking to the masses. He was speaking to his crew, his people, his children, Okay, and if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, listen in because this word is for you. This word is for me. Amen. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Jesus said, I am the real vine. Now, the reason why he says real vine is because some people attach to the wrong vine, but we'll keep going here. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit. Very interesting. So that it will be clean and bear more fruit. You have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you. Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine, the real vine. Everybody say the real vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Those who do not remain in me are thrown out like branches and dry up. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire where they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. Powerful. My Father's glo uh, glory is shown. How does he get the glory? My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. The will of the Lord for your life and my life is much fruit, not a little fruit. How many know much fruit, fruit that will last? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Much fruit. 
And in this way, you become my disciples. My followers bear much fruit as they follow me, as they remain in me. And then here's the, I love this verse. I love you. So before I preach, receive the word of the Lord. This is the words of Christ to you. Jesus is saying, I love you. Isn't that great? He says, I love you just as the Father loves me. And how many know that is perfect love? And he says, remain in my love. Stay in the love of God. Online, stay in the love of God. Stay in the love of God by, by remaining in the vine. Now, let's pray that God would give us understanding to what he has just spoken. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for um, all of your people who are taking this message in. I pray for, for wonderful brothers and sisters who are taking this message in online. And God, I pray that we would learn from your word today and that, Lord, we would stay so close to you that we would remain in your love. I pray for, for all of our families. May they be affected by our bearing fruit for your glory. I pray for our neighbors. I pray for our friends. I pray for our co-workers, Lord. May they be affected by the fruit that we bear and by the glory that we bring to you. May Chicago be affected. May Philadelphia be affected, my God. May California and, and, and New York be affected, Lord. May Seattle be affected by your children bringing you glory and honor and praise. So Lord, bless this word. Bless it to every heart. Be with Pastor Josh as he brings the word of the Lord to our other congregation. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Hallelujah. So when you understand Jesus, you understand what it means to really walk in communion with God. It's kind of what really happens. And what this passage is teaching us is that when you really understand Jesus, there's a few things that you know. Number one, here's the first thing. Jesus is not a fueling station. He's a vine. He's not a fueling station. It's American to treat Jesus like a fueling station. But Jesus is not a fueling station. He's a vine. Let me show you this picture. Does your life look like this or does your life look like this? In this life, you go to God and you fill up. But after you fill up, you disconnect. You disconnect and you go on your way. Man, I filled up the tank with gas the other day and it was almost 80 bucks and I almost ate the steering wheel. <laughs> I needed to be connected to Jesus in that moment, let me tell you. Unbelievable, help us Lord. But the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, is you don't have to live like this. Jesus is saying, I'm the real vine. I'm the real vine. He's saying, you don't have to like fill up. You can, you can live connected all day long. How many of you know the connected life is the best life? The connected life is the best life. Stay connected. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, stay connected. 
He's saying there's something more than just going to church on Sunday. Some people go to church just to fill up, and I'm glad if you get filled up today, but there's more than just going to church on Sunday. There's even more than just reading your Bible in the morning. Stay connected, brothers and sisters. You can stay connected to Jesus when you're having a discussion with someone else. You can stay connected when you're having a disagreement with someone you love. You can stay connected even when a great opportunity is presented to you. You can stay connected. Everybody say, I want to be connected. That is fruitful Christianity. That's the kind of Christianity that is fruit-bearing. One is consistently dependent. One is momentarily connected. You see, we can be connected to God. Look at what this word remain means. It means to abide, to remain behind, or delay for the purpose of relationship. Okay? It means that you do whatever you have to do to stay connected. And I'm telling you, look, this is not easy. Um, I wish, uh, you know what? I declare a three-month sabbatical for everyone. <laughs> I wish I could, but it's just... It's, it's a lot easier on a sabbatical, you know? It's a lot easier. It's just Chrissy and I, and, and I was just spending time with God. It was so wonderful. But here's what the Lord reminded me of. The Lord reminded me when I first gave my heart to him, okay? He was so special to me that I went for walks in the park with him all the time. And even, it didn't matter. There was something about this new discovery of God. You know what? We can stay connected, you know what? You can carry the Bible in your pocket. I saw my father-in-law on the bank line. He, he's, he's got Bibles of every size. I haven't said this in a while. My father-in-law has Bibles of every size. And I've seen him pull out a mini, mini, mini Bible like this and be online and go like this and get a few scriptures in. You know, if you remain in his word and his words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. No wonder God does miracles over there. Because you got to stay connected. You can be carrying a verse. As I've grown in God, I'll tell you this much. As I've grown in the Lord over the years, one of the things that has been consistent in my life is that I try to carry a, at least a verse in my heart every day. So that no matter what, you could disconnect and go right back to the verse. You could disconnect from the world and say, whatever, surely goodness and mercy... Remain in my love. God, I remain in your love right now. Right now, Lord, I remain in your love. Your life will be powerful. You see, could you put that image back up? Look, sorry. You see this image? These trees have an ability to endure every kind of storm and season of life. Year after year, they bear fruit. You know why? Because their root system is strong and healthy. The fruit, we know this, is the result of what's happening in private. So listen, your private life can be in such that no matter what you're doing, you could stay connected. Everybody say stay connected. So look, this image is American. But we're not American we're Christians first. 
We're citizens of another nation. The nation, the kingdom of the living God. Somebody say amen. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so we don't have to. We're not relegated to this. Now, in the book of Zechariah, look at this. This is the biblical image. In the book of Zechariah, the Bible says, uh, Zechariah chapter 4 says this. He, God shows Zechariah an image and says, what do you see? He says, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the, t at the top and seven lamps with it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other is on the left. And the, the olive trees were connected to the lamp. I didn't read the whole passage. And then here's what God says. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might. He's talking about human might. It's not by power. He's talking about human power. Everyone, it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We can't do this by, his, by our might. We can't do this by our power. It's by his spirit. Somebody say amen. Here's the prophetic imagery that God gives to us, all right? Zechariah chapter 4. Where are we going to put that up? Now I'm confused. There it is. So listen. Listen. This is a prophetic illustration. This is a prophetic image. Now Jesus says to us, this was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the lamp. Everybody say, I'm a lamp. You're the light of the world, and the only way that your light shines if there's this constant flow of oil to you. This is the image. It's not the gas station. It's this. How many know there can be an endless supply if we stay connected of the oil of God flowing into your lamp? And if the oil of God is flowing into your lamp and my lamp, we will shine. We'll shine in Chicago. We'll shine on the job. We'll shine at home. Somebody believe we can shine today. We will shine for the glory of God. When you remain... When you stay connected, it is the key. It is the key to being healthy, sensitive, and enduring. Why do I say that? It's because when you're your closest to God, because you're healthy, you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You see, some people, when they're, it's not that you didn't pray. But if you pray and then you're back to yourself, you're on your own, a lot of times you're not as healthy as you think, okay? And you're certainly not sensitive to God the way you ought to. Remember this, Jesus lived with the disciples for three years. So when Jesus said, it's good that I'm leaving because now the Holy Spirit is gonna be inside of each one of you, and not only is he going to be inside of each one of you, but he's going to be inside of all of my children. They never had the gas station illustration because they were always with him. So they're saying, well, now he's with us, but he's with us in a different way. He's with us every day, all day in our hearts. How many know Jesus is with us every day, all day in our hearts? Anyone happy that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? So with the Holy Spirit inside of you, there's a sensitivity. Why? How did they know to pray for this person? How did they know to do this here? How did they know to talk there and pray there? They were so led by the Spirit of God. They that are the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. When you stay connected, 
There's a voice. There's an impulse. I was just talking to one of the pastors about preaching, right? Sometimes, God, you could even be on a series, but sometimes you get an impulse from the Holy Spirit that says, preach about this now for a second. Go back to the series later. How many know there are ways that we could just do what we think, and then what's best is when we do what God thinks? You see? So there's like a a sensitivity. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. I have, I have noticed that the more connected God's people are, the more they can handle from the world and even the enemy. See, we can be enduring or we can be blown by the storms of life. But when you stay connected, something powerful happens. Even when you make a mistake and you stay connected, you just start singing, Jesus, you're not done with me. You're doing a new thing. You see? He wants, imagine that as you leave here today, what God wants to do is give you something so special. I mean, this is the last thing I'll say on this. So look, I've been married going on 30 years. One of the favorite things that happens in my life is when my wife walks in the room. And when she walks in the room, there's a, there's a thing between us that nobody knows, you know? Nobody knows about the thing between us, you know? And it's the most wonderful gift of my, uh, on the earth. It's the most wonderful gift. You know what? The only one who can top that is Jesus. And how many know there's something about having a relationship with Jesus? You know, you might be a, a college student right now and you've started this relationship with Jesus and everyone in the world is making fun of you or people are thinking you're crazy and all that. Let me give you the word of the Lord. Stay connected. Stay connected because as you stay connected, something beautiful is growing in your life. Something powerful is about to happen. Something great will be poured out on you and through you. And the very people that mock you when the day of trouble comes, they'll be running to you and saying, help me because you got something to stand that I need. We've got what the world needs. We've got Jesus. And it's wonderful if we'll just stay connected. So don't let anything break that connection. Very, very important. And look, here's what I want to say. Just practice. Practice being connected. Great book, Brother Lawrence. Everyone, it's like a $5 book, Brother Lawrence. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. Go read it. You will not regret reading that book. So the first thing you know is you know that Jesus is the real vine and that Jesus is not a fueling station. So when you go home and, and, and uh, do whatever you're gonna do, you're gonna stop and say, I know you're with me, Jesus. Speak to me, Lord. Come on, whisper in my heart, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Speak, whisper a secret to me today. Stay connected. Today, tomorrow, in the, in the office, all kinds of things can happen. You know, that's where the gifts of the Spirit really flow. You could have a word of wisdom for someone. You could have a word of knowledge for someone if we 
Stay connected. Everybody say stay connected. So that's the first thing. The second thing uh, uh, that you, when you really understand Jesus, is you know that Jesus never harms us, he heals us. Jesus never harms us. His heart is to heal us. You know, when, the, when someone becomes a doctor, they take something called the Hippocratic Oath. The Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. So a doctor, the minute they get that, that kind of seal that says you are officially a doctor, in any situation, in any circumstance, if they are taking care of someone, it could be their worst enemy. They have made an oath to do no harm. They must help to save that person. You see? And it's incredible what doctors can actually do nowadays. I just, one of my friends recently had work done on his heart. I'm talking about in the last three or four weeks. He had some work done on his heart and he sent me a picture of his wrist. This is not exactly his wrist, but we wanted to get a, a different picture. And he sent me a picture of his wrist. They put three stints in his heart. And they, they did this surgery and they went through this little hole right here in his wrist. They went in his wrist, into his heart, put stuff in his heart. And then he went home and he went to work the next day. I said, how do you feel? He said, I feel great. You know, isn't it incredible the, the miraculous effect of surgery? I mean, the things that people do, the way life is prolonged when, when, when people undergo surgery. I've had a bunch of surgeries. I've had surgery on both knees, on shoulders, all kinds of stuff, you know. And it's incredible what happens when, when we get cut that way, Okay. Well, I got to ask you a question. If the hands of man could heal you, what could the hands of God do for us? What could the hands of God do? I, I declare every one of us needs surgery. I declare every one of us needs to be cut a little bit. There's a cut that doesn't harm. It actually heals. Hence comes this text. I am the vine, the real vine. My father is the gardener. And guess what he does? He prunes. So let's look very quickly at what pruning means. Okay? We need to understand what pruning is. Pruning is God cutting away things that are growing out of us that rob our energy, hinder our fruitfulness, and diminish our lives. Okay, what is pruning? Pruning is God cutting away. And sometimes when God cuts something away, what do we do? We go, ouch. Okay, we go, ouch. So I, the, the brother said that, that he literally could feel the thing going up his arm. And he said, I think I need more anesthesia. <laughs> you know, anybody have one of those moments with the doctor where you don't know whether to, kiss him or punch him, you know, that hurt. But see, there's a cut that heals. There's a cut that heals. 
okay? And what is, it's God cutting away things that are growing out of us that rob our energy, and I'm gonna prove this to you in a minute, hinder our fruitfulness and diminish our lives. It says he, the Father, the loving Father, breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it will be clean and bear more fruit. So that it will be clean and bear more fruit. Sometimes God has to cut you and me. If you want to be more fruitful, sometimes God has to cut. Somebody say amen to that. Now let me give you the imagery of what we're talking about. So we actually um, called a winemaker. We did some research about this. And this is, this is a vine. Now, what winemakers, we've learned that winemakers have a very specific rootstock, and they always start with the same rootstock because they have confirmed that for their company or their type, their wine, they know this is the healthiest. They've been cultivating it. This is one rootstock, and what they do is they graft a, a certain type of grape onto the rootstock. Okay, so this health impacts this grafting. Now, in the book of Romans, it says we have been grafted into the vine. Okay, we were away from God, and God grafted us in to his rootstock. Jesus is the vine, and anybody happy that we've been grafted into the vine? We have been grafted into the vine. Now, when you become born again and you're grafted into the vine, you start to grow, and the goal is that you look like this. But in order to look like this, this is what the, the, the under all of this fruit, this is what it looks like. So here's what we learned. What does the father, what does the vine dresser do? You see these two little things growing out of this, uh, uh, of this kind of branch? These two little things growing out of this kind of branch, the gardener comes along and he goes, snip, snip, cut, cut. Why? Because if he lets things just grow everywhere, things that are growing out of this branch, they will rob energy. They will hinder fruitfulness. And they will put so much stress that it will deplete the quality of life of that vine. And you see, even in this moment, even in this life, even in our world right now, because we have a loving father, if they could send me a keyboard player, because we have a loving father, guess what the loving father does? He cuts things that are growing out of Al Toledo. Okay, things that are growing out of me that are not good for me. He goes, snip, snip. And when he goes, snip, snip, I might go, ouch. But he's not harming me. He's healing me. He's saving me from myself. We've got to get to the place where we recognize without connection to God, we can wreck our own lives. He wants to save us from ourselves. Jesus, save me from myself. Yes, you ever been on a rampage and then you wake up and say, what in the world is going on with me? He wants to save us from ourselves. And you know what the loving father does? He goes, snip, snip. And he cuts. And he has to cut. But you know what? Everyone needs the touch of God. 
Everyone needs surgery. Everyone needs the Lord to cut them. Let me give you a couple quick illustrations. Let's take the life of Peter. Peter presumably was in the first boat, the first storm. Peter's in the storm with Jesus sleeping in the boat, right? So Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Storm comes, they panic. They wake Jesus up. Jesus looked at them like, what's up with you guys? Don't you realize who's here? He rebukes the waves. Everything comes down. He goes, why didn't you just have faith? I'm here. I don't know if I'm here. It doesn't matter what the storm is. I don't know when Jesus is there. It doesn't matter what the storm is. Somebody say amen. Now watch. Now watch. Another storm comes. Peter's in the boat. Guess what they do? They're terrified again. But Peter learned from the first time. And Peter looks at Jesus. Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter says, wait a second. I know why I was in that first storm. I was in that first storm so that I could learn how to respond in faith. And he's like, wait a second, Jesus. This storm is here, but you're here. And if you're here, you want to teach me that I can walk on water. And guess what? He says, call me out. And Jesus starts to walk on water. Hallelujah. Do you know you can walk on the storm that got you last year? Do you know you can walk on the storm that got you last month? Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Stop saying, why do you let me go through storms? See, pressure is pruning. How does pruning look in your life? I mean, it's not like stuff is kind of growing out of you. I mean, if it is, we go, run to the doctor. But you know what I'm saying? There is stuff growing out of your life. You can tell by what comes out of your mouth. You can tell by how you react. You can tell by where you go and what you're doing. You can tell by who you're avoiding. All kinds of stuff coming out of your life. And God comes along and he says, snip, snip. Let me give you another one. There's another occasion. This is even more intense. And brothers and sisters, we have to understand Jesus. Okay, here's more intense. So Jesus is getting ready to, he'll be going to the cross soon. He asks his disciples, who do you say I am? Some say this. Who do they say I am? Some say this, some say that. Prophet, all this. And Jesus says, and he will ask you this. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Like you're watching online. Imagine Jesus asking you that. Who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're the great I am. You're the fulfillment of prophecy. You're the only one that saves. You are the one and only. Hallelujah. You're the king of glory. And he he says to Peter, Peter, flesh and blood. Now you're learning, Peter. Now you're getting revelation. Now you're starting to get it. You just got a revelation from God. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Okay, but heaven, the most high God revealed that to you. Right? So Peter's feeling good about himself. He's like, yo, I got the revelation. Right? He's feeling strong. I got used by God. And then he, he goes, se pasó. In Spanish, they say he went past it. So now he went past the anointing. 
So all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about, about being crucified. And he's saying, you can't. All this kind of stuff. And guess what? Jesus turns around. Okay, Peter's right there. Jesus right here. He says, Satan, get thee behind me. I don't know when you're clapping, but yes, he did. So listen. He says, get thee behind me. Imagine um, that happening in America right now. Here's what we would do. He just called me Satan. You believe what he called me? He called me Satan. Are you kidding me? Why would he call me Satan? And here's when the cutting comes. What you and I have to understand is he's saying, Peter, I need to talk to you real strong right now. You know why? Because you're letting the wrong voice influence your life. And if you let the wrong voice influence your life, it will destroy you. And if I ever hear Satan in your mouth, I will rebuke that right out of your mouth because I love you. Did he do it because he loved him? Was he trying to harm him? No, he was trying to deliver him from himself. I knew we weren't gonna, now, now is when you clap. You know what David said? David said, let a wise man rebuke me. It'll be good for me. So people can't take a rebuke anymore. We can't take the cutting of God. The number one thing that I have seen over the last two years especially is people running from God. And the, most of the time it's they're running from pruning. Can I say that? Can I say that as your pastor? Can I say that with the deepest love in my heart? That don't run from the pruning of God because everyone needs surgery. Can I say when God cuts you, it's not to harm you. It's to heal you. It's to save you. It's to make you better. See, here's the thing. When they cut that, if they don't cut it, all of this stuff robs special precious energy. Okay? Energy that you're supposed to be using for the glory of God. Energy that God gave you and me so that we could serve others into greatness and so that we could build the kingdom of God. Pruning is important. And let me tell you something. The Bible records for us what happened. Let me, running will plague your life. Okay, running plague Jacob. Jacob ran because he was trying to do things in his, and until Jacob had a flat out meeting with God and stopped running, running plagued Jacob. Running plagued Jonah. I'm reading the book of Jonah right now. He ran from the will of God. Don't run from the plan of God and the will of God. That's the word. Running will plague your life. And guess what? Wherever you go, God will be there. And when you get there, God is going to say, stop running. I love you. I am your master and your king. You want one? Running plagued Judas. Jacob, uh, Jonah, Judas. Judas ran from Christ. I believe that if Judas would have repented, Jesus would have forgiven Judas because he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yes, yes, it's okay. He, even the worst traitor, Jesus will forgive. But he didn't. And he ran to the place that he ruined himself. So we're almost done here. Well, listen, this is a literal quote from this winemaker that we called. Here's what he said. 
He said, if you don't prune, you're left with a vine that is stressed out and makes bad fruit. If God doesn't prune you and me, guess what you're left with? You're left with a stressed out life and you will not produce fruit that brings God glory. And so understanding Jesus says, no matter what happens, I'm not running. Even on my worst day, you're not done with me. I wanna close with a pretty intense example, but this is real time, and I'm gonna ask you to please focus in, focus in online. So there is currently a, a famous award-winning author, his name is John Green. He wrote uh, The Fault in Our Stars and a number of other books. I've never read any of his books. I'm not endorsing his books, uh, um, but he is pretty uh, famous. Can we put the slide up? He is like, um, he is the pinnacle of success. This guy, John Green, he has it all. Okay? I heard he has like millions of followers on a podcast. You couldn't be more successful than John Green. But John Green, this is a recent, the, I'm going to play a, a podcast clip. It's almost four minutes. It's a little long for this context, but listen. Because here's what happened. You're going to hear a story of a guy who ran from God and believed the wrong thing for about 20 years. You see? He ran from the pressure and the hardship and the difficulty. And so here's how it goes. John Green, before he became this famous author, John Green was a chaplain. And he was preparing for the ministry. And as soon, one of his first times being on call as a chaplain, there was a child who was a burn victim. And that burn, that seeing that sight so wrecked him that he walked away from God. He couldn't understand that momentary crisis, that tragedy in the moment, which absolutely was tragic. Okay, there is a mystery to living on this side of glory. But how many know when we get to heaven, there's no more burn victims? No more cancer, no more disease, hallelujah. But I want you to listen now. Okay, there's a narrator, there's John, and then there's this kid, Nick. Nick is the burn victim. Listen to this, and then we're gonna close. From what the doctor said, I thought, I thought that, that you were likely to die. And mm -hmm. this is John talking. Most of the last, you know, 18 years, I, 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 thought, that, I thought that you had died. And, um, and, and so I would, I would, I would uh, pray for you every night and for your family. And I wanted to get, I wanted to get in touch with you if I could to say, that I, I think of you often, and I and I hope that's okay. I hope it's I, I hope it's okay um, that I pray for you and your family. If it's not, I'm, I'll stop. I would definitely like to not have been burned, and to not deal with the daily things that come with that. But it brought my family to Christ in a way that it would not have otherwise. It was only after the accident that a friend invited Nick's family to a local church. They began attending with regularity. 
Before that, they'd been Christian in name only. So to Nick, the fire brought him to the most important thing in his life. It brought him to God. Because of that day in the ER, Nick and his family's faith was made stronger, while John's was made weaker. You know, I, I don't I don't usually think about it in, in uh, terms of good and evil, really. Um, but a lot of life is a battle against despair because I, I have serious uh, mental health problems, Nick. Despair, nihilism, hopelessness, they're forms of this, this lie that my brain sometimes tries to tell me about being a person, being alive, consciousness, that it's all empty, it's all meaningless. Um, and I have to find ways of, of holding on to hope. Theologically speaking, for those who love God, everything is supposed to work for their good. And if you, if you look at it in that light, the world definitely makes more sense. Um, the Lord does allow some evil, but in the end, the evil works for good. You know, it's just, you know, the devil's always trying to tempt you and draw you astray. And, and I think that's one of the things he uses against me is, oh, how could this happen to you? You know, why would such a merciful and loving God let this happen to you? You know, and if you look at it like that, then, you know, the devil's won. Without doubt, Nick is grateful for John's prayers. But overall, I get the feeling that some things, some crucial things, are in place in Nick's life. His family is close-knit. His life has purpose. He's secure in his faith. But he can tell John is struggling. To him, John's not this famous writer, but someone who came to him heavy-hearted. So as to John's prayers, Nick points out someone else who might have benefited from them. John. Praying for me, I, I really hope that's helped keep the dialogue between you and the Lord fluid and going. Um, you know, I never thought of it that way, Nick. He never thought that even though he stopped praying for himself, even though he never stopped praying for anything, there was one seed of faith in his heart that he kept praying. So here's what you have. You have a burn victim who's really, really good in God. And you have one of the wealthiest, most successful, at the pinnacle of everything person who admittedly is struggling with his mental health. Why? It's because it's not what you have on the outside. It's who you're connected to on the inside. The last two years have brought trauma up. We prayed for trauma on Tuesday. We prayed because the pressures of the last couple of years removed our ability to escape and to be busy. The pressures of the last couple of years has done something worldwide, not just nationwide, but worldwide. And they're talking about that even teenagers are, like suicide is up with teenagers. There's all of this thing that is happening, but I'm telling you right now, don't run from 
God because of pressure. Run to God because of pressure and he will keep you. That man, that woman is like a tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit. You will not wither. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.